This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Jam-packed we are on this morning. We will have one final look back at the NFL draft with Todd McShay. who will jump in here shortly, but the only place for it to begin is with the NBA playoffs. What we've seen and what is ahead of us. And Han is here to do it. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. Only one place to start. Brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And the smartest thing I did was beg Alan Hahn to stick around after we wrapped up Get Up this morning and talk basketball with us here. Coming off of a very interesting night last night and heading into what should be a fascinating night tonight. Alan, thank you for doing this. Oh, good to be here. I and mean, this has been a lot of fun. And this is the best time of year. And what we're seeing now is that I believe in the East and West, it's wide open. It really is. And it's exciting to see that you don't have – you still have your brand names, but it just feels like there is no team that you could say, I'll take that team over the field. Well, so let's go through it in the order in which it was played. We'll start with last night, then we'll work our way to tonight. Yeah. Sixers, Celtics, before we get to the, what sort of felt like a meltdown for Boston – Let's give some credit to James Harden. That was a person I had forgotten existed. The James Harden who played last night and scored 45 points, I described it on TV this morning as being like an apparition, like Mm -hmm. something that you remember seeing in a dream once, (laughs) but it had been so long. The Nets didn't need him to do that. The Sixers didn't need him to do that. No one even really seemed to want him to do that. But last night when they needed it, he rose up and won them a game basically by himself. Yeah, that's James Harden's favorite version of James Harden. Right. Is the guy that is the high usage player that has the ability to make whatever decision he wants to make. Sometimes he's the open man, even when he's guarded. That's how he feels. And what the Celtics did was they created that. Because, look, you go into a game in game one, there's no Joel Embiid, and the whole world is figuring, all right, the Celtics are going to walk away with this one. i got to be honest with you. I only checked into this game in the second quarter. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really dial in because I thought this wasn't going to be a, a really good game. It turns out that it ended up being a really good game, but only because the Celtics decided to allow the Sixers to believe they could win this game by playing so soft in that first half. Yeah, you 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 missed uh, the part of the game that Jason Tatum seemed to take. Seriously. Yeah, that's right, the like, first quarter. Tatum played great in the first quarter, and I was watching, and I thought to myself, all right, Boston is eventually going to stretch this to 10, 12. It'll hover there. Right. The Sixers are fighting hard. But in the end, they just won't have enough, and Boston will pull away. And in that entire second half, they couldn't, mostly because Harden wouldn't let them. Yeah, and he obviously, once he got into rhythm, that's what it was all about, is that he started to believe and trust himself. And then you had others step in and make plays in Melton. And obviously, Maxi got it going in the second half. And then it became what is becoming an issue for the Boston Celtics. And that is late-game execution, focus, discipline, and also intensity. All of those things have been lacking with this team. And in Boston right now, the conversation is not on Jason Tatum. It's not on Jalen Brown. It is not on even Marcus Smart. And why the hell did he take that last shot? The focus is on Joe Mazzulla, yeah. the young head coach who has no really a lot of, no, not much experience as a coach, who was handed the job after Ime Odoka was, was uh, removed. 
And then they gave him, after a good start to the season, they gave him an extension. They took the interim tag off and said, you've earned it. And ever since then, Boston's been a different team. And there was a moment in the game last night, Greeny, that I caught, where which I love is when you mic up players, you really get a sense of what's mm-hmm. going on. And Legs and I were talking about this, and, and he, he said, oh, I remember that. I couldn't believe it. So you would say, as an NBA player, to say that, this was significant. They showed a, a clip where Marcus Smart jumps off the bench after a foul's called on a teammate, runs past Missoula, and checks himself into the game. Missoula's looking at him like, what are you doing? And he just looked at me. I'm getting him. He's got three fouls, whatever it was, and I'm in. And Missoula's hands in his pockets just watching him do all this. And it just makes you say to yourself, who's running this team? And so it starts there, and then obviously some play-calling execution. But Jason Tatum after the game saying, yeah, you know, we really didn't have the intensity we needed to have in this game. It's game one on your court. Yeah. How could you not? In the second round. How do you not have the intensity you need to win the game? Yeah, and, and if it's because you felt overconfident in the absence of MB, then shame on you. That's right. I, I mean, that's, that's a, a leadership problem. Other, you're supposed to put these away when you have the opportunity. Yes. Bury a team when you have a chance to do it. Because think about where the Sixers would be today. If, this, if the Celtics had won easily, now there would be so much pressure on Embiid to try and get back. Right. If he could play at all, maybe you wind up re-aggravating it. Now Embiid can sort of... He's got it made in the shade, sit out game two, relax, and then you try and go home and win. So that's, that, that was, that is a very weird, like the Celtics have not looked right. The Bucks got bounced in five. Mm-hmm. The top of the Eastern Conference has been very weird. Mm-hmm. The top of the Western Conference, or at least the very top, has not been weird. Denver took care of business in round one, and right now they are taking care of business in round two. Up 2 nothing on Phoenix. The Suns got four points off their bench last night, and Chris Paul suffered his annual postseason injury. <laughs> Phoenix looks like they are ready to check out. Yeah, you know, and this is what happens a lot of times. I mean, they, they made a trade that you're going – everybody makes that trade. For Kevin Durant, it's, yeah. it's – you know, you don't hesitate making that trade. So it guts a lot of your depth, which was the strength of how you got to the finals two years ago. So you understand, all right, we're going to have to lean heavily on the starters. And the stat they had on Get Up was fantastic. It was 87% of the scoring so far by the Suns has done by their starting five. You're relying heavily on Devin Booker, who's been phenomenal, and then Kevin Durant, who is always otherworldly. Kevin Durant has not been otherworldly in the first two games. He had a big turnover game in game one, and he he was not able to make shots in game two. You don't expect him to have bad games a lot. But depth allows him, allows your stars to have one bad. You have a stinker, you get through it because your depth wins you a game in the playoffs. The Suns don't have that ability with this group. So a lot of people have felt like, and I remember being asked these questions, well, if the Suns don't win a championship this year, what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. It means that now they go into the offseason knowing we've got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and now we've got to find pieces that want to join this party and be part of a championship team. They are not a championship roster. They have championship pieces. And they're running up against a team that has a championship roster with a two-time MVP and a Jamal Murray that's starting to get back to being the Jamal Murray we know about and a head coach that has been with this team and this core. They've gone through a lot of pain, and they're ready now to win. Yeah, there's a hunger involved in Denver, and we'll see. The playoffs, of course, are here on ESPN Radio. We'll have Knicks Heat tonight. Game two presented by Indeed. Coverage is 7 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. For those across the country who don't know, Alan works as well as for us, also for the MSG Network, which is the, you know, the, the local New York Knicks network. Um, so you know that team backwards and forwards. Right. I was talking to Legler this morning before we came in to do the show. The absence of Randall for the Knicks obviously 
hurt them terribly in game one. Mm-hmm. But to me, the absence, if there is one, of Jimmy Butler ends the series, which is to say, I think if, if you took out Randall and Butler, the Knicks win. The, the, Randall is incredibly important to the Knicks. But particularly without Hero and Oladipo, without Butler, I don't think the Heat have any chance. No, Did, this, the, 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 the Knicks might have lost game one, but they could have... They could end up winning the series because of what happened in Game One. The most significant point of Game One was there was a lot of things that happened in that game. But five oh five to go in the game, Jimmy Butler rolling his ankle against Josh Hart in a in a strange slip collision kind of situation. That is one, and you saw Eric Spolster. The camera went to him. Oh, he yeah. mouthed the word we can't say on the air, <laughs> yes, he but did. we've all said many times, and in we frustration. all felt the same way. Yes. Look, I'm rooting for the Knicks. I'm a Knicks fan. I don't want to see Jimmy Butler get hurt. Of course, That's not. the last thing any basketball fan wants to see. Right. This, this again. This was setting up to be a fun series, an exciting series, a, a classic old school series that we really could have enjoyed, and it could end up being a short series if Jimmy Butler is not available to play. And you know, we'll see. You got game one. Do you need to play him tonight? That's Probably not. You don't play again till Saturday right. now. That's huge in this series. So they got the split they're looking for, just like the Sixers. Can you say to yourself, Jimmy Butler's going to say, I'm going to play. He didn't leave the game, which I couldn't believe. He stayed in the game, stayed out on the floor, and on top of it, the Knicks didn't do anything. You would think, I see a guy with one leg, I probably should get him in pick and roll. I yeah. probably should attack him. They never did. That's uh, that's on them. But you have to, as the Heat, say to Jimmy Butler, we've got now four days off. You can get right for game three at home, which will be the more important game than trying to get game two at the Garden and maybe uh, you know, you hurting yourself even more. Yeah, I, the, the same thing we said about the Embiid situation. Yep. If you're down one nothing, maybe you push it. If you're up one nothing, then maybe you sit him. So we'll see. I'll be at that game. You're, obviously, you'll be there working. I'm be coming tonight. to watch. I'm calling the game on uh, on on 98.7 ESPN in oh, New good. York. You're doing that for the radio. Yes. Okay. Outstanding. Yeah. So so Alan will be all over it tonight, and we'll talk about it tomorrow on on TV, etc. And then we get the Lakers and the Warriors starts tonight. Ooh, baby. And and look, you can't. If you're, if you're a fan of sports history, if you're someone who appreciates sort of the bigger picture, regardless of which team you root for, the opportunity to see these two guys one more time uh, is something really special. Big 35,000 feet. How do you see the series? The series looks like to me it's, it's going to be less about LeBron and Curry and more about what's around them. We're going to make those two guys obviously the marquee because they are. The stories about them, how their careers have suddenly connected, if you think about it. Early in LeBron's career, it was always LeBron versus the Celtics. It was always about, can he get over that mountain? But after that, it's really been LeBron and Steph and how Steph's been that team in his way. And so that's the storyline. But to me, it's this Laker team is remarkable when you think about it. As I mentioned, the Suns made a trade. It changed their roster. And, and you always make that trade. The Laker thing at the trade deadline was, I think, really more compelling because of how they rebuilt the team. It wasn't about adding stars. It was about getting rid of some big names and getting some workers that can fit around Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And is their supporting cast ready for this type of a matchup with a team that does have championship DNA? Even their supporting cast has been there and won a ring. They just did it. So they have that confidence from demonstrated performance. This Laker team can come of age for LeBron if they can get through this series and then really see if they can be about winning him another ring. Yep, LeBron, Anthony Davis on one side, Steph, the Splash Brothers, Draymond on the other. We've seen it so many times, and we get one more glimpse 
of LeBron and Steph on the floor at the same time, which, again, was something that I think many of us thought we had seen for the last time. I will let you go. You got your radio show today. You got the game tonight and everything else. A very busy guy, Alan. Thanks for a few extra minutes. Awesome. Glad to do it. I appreciate you doing it. Greeting with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Coming up, McShay with one final look back at the draft. I have a lot more basketball to do as well. Stay close by. I got a good morning working. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply it's demon time on prize picks where you can now win up to 100 times your money that's right 100 times your money With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Greenberg, code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Greeny, the podcast. I've got a little NFL news here that came across literally right before we came on, and I'll use this to get into McShay here. Shefty reporting that the Packers and Jordan Love have agreed on a one-year contract extension worth up to $22.5 million, including $13.5 million guaranteed. Today is the deadline for teams to pick up the fifth-year options on players to whom that applies, so Jordan Love would have been one of those. The fifth-year option would have been for a little over $20 million guaranteed. Rather than picking that up, Green Bay gives Love a chance at more upside with it a bit of protection for the team with less guaranteed money. So the most unique fifth-year option choice ever, according to Shefty, comes to a close. Let's get McShay in on that to begin with. 
Because, Todd, frankly, as a draft analyst, you've seen more of Jordan Love than practically anybody else alive um, because pretty much everything we've seen from him has come on the college level. He's thrown fewer than 100 passes. What, what, what do you make of the entire situation there, this decision that the Packers have made, and frankly, every decision they've made through this process? Well, I, I think it's a good compromise, honestly. I mean, you're, you're guaranteeing less money for a year. This is his, his tryout year, if you will. It's a trial. And they're going to find out what they have in, in Jordan Love, and if, if he's not the guy, they'll they'll move on from him, whether it's you know with a veteran or or in next year's draft. And obviously, you know we know about Caleb Williams from USC. We know about Drake May from from North Carolina. There's some some really intriguing quarterbacks at the top. You don't expect Green Bay to be picking at the top though. So they're hopeful, obviously, that Jordan Love is the guy. He has the physical tools. He has the mobility. He has the big arm. He can drive the ball down the field. The, the consistency with his accuracy and playing within the confines of an offense are kind of the two questions that we had coming out in the draft. And as you alluded to, we haven't gotten answers at the NFL level. He hasn't had enough game reps to, to be able to prove himself or, or, quite honestly, to make significant improvement. But, I mean, you've got Lucas Van Ness. They drafted at 13 overall, right? Yep. But other, other than that, the, the focus truly was on putting weapons around around the quarterback in Jordan Love. They bring in Luke Musgrave, who I thought was the third best tight end in the class, really good athlete. He was injured most of last year, but his combine workout was very good. His his senior bowl week, he excelled and showed, proved that he was the best tight end there. Then Jaden Reed, who I thought was the most underrated receiver in, in the entire draft. I was happy to see him go in the second round. That's where I had the grade on him. It was pick 50 overall coming out of Michigan State. I think he's going to be a really good, reliable slot receiver for uh, for Green Bay. And then Tucker Craft, another tight end with a lot of tools from South Dakota State. I, a lot of people that I talked to in the league thought that he might be the third, at worst, maybe the fourth uh, best tight end in the class. They got him at 78 overall. So you're talking about three weapons that they brought in in that pick 42 to 78 range to try to help Jordan Love. And again, this, this is a one-year deal for, for Jordan Love. He's, he's really got to prove that he can be the guy moving forward. Greeny and McShay with us were presented by Progressive Insurance for a job you'll love. Visit progressive.com slash careers. I hadn't even thought of asking you this, but this just sort of popped it into my head because there's two other guys, frankly, that you know better than most of the rest of the world does. Two quarterbacks that I that were drafted very high. They were actually drafted consecutively that their own teams feel like they've given up on. One of them is Zach Wilson of the Jets, and the other one is Trey Lance in San Francisco. Let's start with Lance, because that's (coughs) the more complicated one. He was going to be the starter last year. He got hurt basically immediately. All of a sudden, it feels like they've fallen in love with Brock Purdy, and everything I'm hearing coming out of there is that Kyle Shanahan has fallen in love with Sam Darnold. And and so where does this leave Trey Lance, who they traded the kitchen sink to move up to number three and take him, and he has generally never been able to play. Yeah, it's, it's a cautionary tale, and, and it's part of the reason why there are so many questions with, with Anthony Richardson, right? And obviously, mm-hmm. Trey Lance at a smaller school level, but didn't have a ton of starts in college. And, you know, he, he gets his opportunity this past year, and, and there's, you know, the injury that, that occurred. And so now... They're trying to get, from my understanding, they're trying to get Trey Lance healthy and kind of get to a point where they can showcase him in some way, shape, or form and, and may wind up dealing him. Because, I, listen, Brock Purdy, what he did last year was sensational. Sam Darnold, they believe, and, and truly I believe, that this is the place that Sam Darnold could have success. So 
They think they have two quarterbacks. And Trey Lance, if you really, based on my sources, if you go back to last summer, there was frustration with Trey Lance. They bet all of that on on Trey. They, you know, gave away all the picks that they did. They moved up and got their guy. They thought he was going to be the future of the organization. He was not progressing in camp and early in the season before the injury the way that they they expected him to. And so you kind of could see the writing on the wall, but no one expected Brock Purdy to have the, the season that he did when he finally got his shot. So I, I think we, we saw it kind of start to fester a little bit early last year. He clearly has a lot of physical tools to work with, but that the, the few number of starts and the lack of game experience, if you go back, like Mitch Trubisky is another one, go mm-hmm. back to Mark Sanchez, like 13 starts, 13 starts, that part's scary, and, and it's real. I mean, history says that it's tough to overcome a lack of a lot of game experience in college. And that's exactly, again, and you made the point a moment ago, where Anthony Richardson is, and the Colts take him number four overall. And of all the things that happened in this draft, including Houston um, making really aggressive moves at the top and surprising a lot of people by taking Stroud as they did at two and then making the big trade for Will Anderson, to me still the biggest – the biggest story of this draft is Anthony Richardson going four overall because there is no greater boom or bust, in, in my view, of yes. anybody in this draft than that guy. Yeah, it was a huge surprise. And I remember, I think it was Mach 4.0, I had, I had Will Levis going, in, going 19 to the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. And in our mock draft show, you know, Chris Mortensen said, I, you know, I think, I think Levis goes in the top five. He had heard a lot of stuff about, Levis to the Colts. Shefty had heard a lot of stuff about Levis to the Colts. I started reaching out to people in the league. They heard the same thing. And so I give, first of all, Chris Ballard, the general manager, a lot of credit for kind of getting the information leaked properly that, that, that he was their guy when, in fact, he wasn't. But for Richardson, I, I can say this, having gone back and, and looked at it and studied it, at least during my, my time in evaluating the NFL draft, and I think in the history of the NFL draft, quite honestly, Anthony Richardson enters the league as the most physically gifted quarterback ever drafted. I mean, that's how outrageous, like 6'4", 244 pounds, runs a 4'4", jumps out of the gym at the combine, a big-time arm, can drive it down the field, but he has 13 starts, and he didn't win a bunch of games. And one week it was Utah, and he looked like a Heisman Trophy winner and the number one overall pick, and the next week I'm on the field against Kentucky, and he looks absolutely lost. The thing that I'm really excited about, though, with this situation, and I said it all along, there would be no better place for Richardson to go than Indianapolis, and it's because of one man, Shane Steichen, mm-hmm. the head coach, who has, who has worked with Justin Herbert, but more importantly, really helped develop Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. And if I'm, if I'm Anthony, I'm reaching out to Jalen immediately. What did you learn from Shane? What are the things I need to know? What did you do? What was your daily regimen, you know, in order to figure out what led Jalen to have the success he had as a guy who was going to be the backup? He was brought in as a second-round pick. Hopefully you develop him and maybe trade him one day because we just signed Carson Wentz for all this money for a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. So Steichen knows how to work with a young quarterback who's probably at this, who at this point definitely is, a better, is, is more mobile than he is accurate and consistent as a passer. I think Shane's going to do a great job with him and is, is absolutely qualified to develop him. The question I have is, are we going to see a lot of Anthony early on? Because I don't think that they're going to put him out there and embarrass him. Uh, but the sooner they can get him out there as the fourth overall pick, the better. So it's going to be really intriguing 
especially early in the year, to see what the plan is for Anthony Richardson. But I love the marriage between Steichen and Richardson. Greeny and McShay, what if quarterbacks uh, completed four out of five passes? Well, you can play on that level with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. So, so let's step back then, Todd. Now we've had a chance to catch our breath. I saw I saw McShay, by the way, in the gym in the hotel on Friday getting set for rounds you two and three. You were grinding it out in there, Greeny. Working out hard. We were, we were, you were working out hard. I was just sort of over there doing nothing, but you were, you were working hard. (laughs) But anyway, now that you've had a chance to digest it all, of the things that happened that were somewhat surprising, which ones to you were the best? I mean, there were uh, many things happened that we sort of all knew would happen. Of the things that happened that made you say, wow, I didn't see that coming, which ones made you say, okay, that's a great move, outstanding work at any point in the draft? Uh, a couple things. First of all, I think you alluded to it earlier. Houston moving up and, and taking that, you know, having the second and third pick. Mm-hmm. I truly believe they wanted Will, Will Anderson. I think whether it was ownership, whoever in the organization, there was, you know, at some point it was, hey, we're taking C.J. Stroud, figure out how we're going to get Will Anderson too. And, you know, there's different reports that come out. It doesn't matter at this point. When you have an organization that is flailing like Houston has, and, and there's been questions about the general manager, Nick Casario, and his future there, and you have a new head coach coming in, Domingo Ryan, to be able to get a, a pillars on both sides of the ball, I don't, and I know they gave up a bunch to do it, but this, they needed to be resuscitated, yep. this, this roster, this organization. And that's exactly what they got with Will Anderson, the hardest working player in this entire draft class. Just ask Nick Saban. I mean, he, he will go on and on for days about him and the process and, and what uh, running through walls for him and, and, and buying in as much or more than any other player who's, he's ever had. And then C.J. Stroud at quarterback, I think he's just an absolute sniper from the pocket. And I, I think now you have, you have life if you're the Houston Texans. Another move that I really liked, and, and it was last minute for Philadelphia. This is not always the plan, but Jalen Carter starts to fall. Mm-hmm. Chicago, for whatever its reasons, wanted to move out of that, that number nine spot. Philadelphia takes advantage. Jalen Carter might fail in over half of the organizations in the league long term. He's the most talented player from the 2023 NFL draft, and I have no problem putting my, my name on the line with that. But there are some serious football character issues that have to be worked through. I can't think, though, Greeny, of a better place in the league for Jalen Carter with three guys that he played with on that defense, now on that team, he won a national championship with, with Fletcher Cox and, and, uh, and Brandon Graham as veterans in that defensive line room, going up against Kelsey at center every day in practice. Like The accountability level in that organization is as high as it gets. And Jalen Carter, like I said, if if he's going to succeed, this is the type of organization he had to go to. And my goodness, with Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, as starting offensive guard and Tyler Steen, Sidney Brown at safety, they nailed it in this year's draft. I agree. And then, I, I, they went from yeah. being the best team uh, in the NFC to being by far <laughs> the best team yeah. in the NFC. I didn't mean to cut you off, but let me go just quickly no. on the other side because I'm going to run out of time. What, what's the thing? Yep. Give me the one thing that surprised you when you said, well, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Well, Chicago, I mentioned before, Chicago's picking at nine. They can take Jalen Carter. They desperately need a three technique in that Matt Eberflus defense. I, listen, I, I have the same character questions they had. I understand the move. They, they moved back. I think they got a, a third or a fourth round pick to move back just one spot. And they, but 
then they take Darnell Wright to tackle from Tennessee, which a lot of teams had kind of pushed back because of concerns. Can we, you know, it, it, it seemed like a contract year last year. Let's put it that way for Wright. It was mm-hmm. up and down and inconsistency and is the effort there and does he love ball and all that. And then 2022, he was great. And the senior bowl, he was dominant. And he worked out well at the combine. And I just, I, I'm hopeful for Chicago because I love what they've done and the moves they've made. I'm hopeful that he winds up being what they expect him to be as the number 10 pick in the draft. But that was surprising. And I know everyone's killing Detroit. The Jameer Gibbs move I thought was great. They moved back from 6 to 12. Devin Witherspoon went number five overall, and that surprised people, including the, the Lions. They were going to take Witherspoon at six for, by all of my intel. Mm-hmm. So they move out of that spot. They get Jameer Gibbs, who was going to go a lot earlier than people thought. He's a dynamic playmaker at running back, and he's a slot receiver. He gives that offense even more juice, which is going to be great. <laughs> but the pick at 18, I did not like. I, I, think, I thought Jack Campbell, he's a good player, but you can get him at 34. And so I, I would have taken – you know, Kalaja Kansi, a defensive tackle at that point, could have been a real impact player on a defensive struggle a year ago. I thought Campbell was probably the biggest reach in terms of players in round one. Well, you would have loved, because no one knows anyone better than you know Mel Kuyper, and we all know Mel and his philosophy on running backs in the first round. <laughs> when, when, when we had the running back go at eight and then another go at 12, I thought we were going to lose Mel, Todd. I, I, I thought we might lose him for a second. When I came over, I came over with you guys from picks thirteen to fifteen. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I, I was transitioned. The Jonas Brothers kicked me off the ABC set. Let's just <laughs> yeah. be honest about it. Yeah. So I had to find a home for three for three picks, and you guys were a great home. I had a blast. But um, but I got over there, and I was so worried about needling Mel about Will Levitt still being on the board. Mm-hmm. I forgot to bring up the Jameer Gibbs. But I'm glad you brought that up. We've got a show tonight, the, the Mel, Mel Kiper 2023 Draft Grade Show. Tonight, it's, it's running, I think, from, from 7 to 9 o'clock on ESPN. So, uh, so I'll have to needle him tonight. That's oh, yes. a reminder. Absolutely. It was, it was his worst nightmare in so many different ways. <laughs> make sure you're the best. Thank you, my good friend. It was a, a pleasure uh, leading up to all this, and we'll talk again soon. Be well. Uh, it's always great, my man. I'll talk to you soon. That's the great Todd McShay. I did. I saw him working out. Guys, you would have been impressed with the work he was doing on the, on the elliptical over there next to me. He put me to shame. Um, I want to make one very quick. But first of all, let me say uh, hello to the assembled members of the hashtag crew. We have hashtag Bubba and hashtag Cam, who are along for the ride this morning. Hello, fellas. Hello. Hello. How well, you doing? I, I am delighted to say that today is a big day because, you know, with our book, Got Your Number, we had originally not done, many people had commented on the fact that we had not done an audio book. But with the extraordinary success of the book, which I think took everybody in the world by surprise, we very quickly did record an audio book, and it is available as of today. So there is an audio version now of Got Your Number, which is recorded by me and Hembo. Hembo contributed to the uh, the audio portion, but I read all the chapters. And it is available as of today. You can go to my Twitter page and uh, pinned to the top of my page, you will find the link that you can order the audio book. So you would think being in radio that it made sense to do an audio book, and we finally did. So it is available as of right this minute. You can order it. So for you guys who've not yet read it, maybe in this case you can hear it. What do you think? 
I mean, I'm a little concerned with Hembo doing anything with his audio book with the 7,000 things he mispronounces. So, yeah. I mean, I hope you really were. Yeah, how many wands are in there? Paying he attention needed a lot of him. takes. Yeah. There were a lot of takes. He, we, the way it basically works is he sets up the number. He's like, okay, Greedy, so we had these options at number 11. Who did, we wind up, who did you wind up choosing? That, that's basically Hembo's role in it. And even that. He screwed up regularly. I mean, just I mean, over and over. Let's put it this way. I read all the rest of the words, and I was done before he was. <laughs> I was, I read, if there, there were 300, whatever it is, pages in the book, I read 299 of them faster than he read one. Of course. That's pretty much how that went. But again, thank you to everybody for your interest. The book remains available everywhere. It remains, it continues to do great. And now there is an audio version. So it is released today. You can go to my Twitter page and, uh, and you will find uh, that pinned to the top of my page if you'd like to order the audio book. All right, coming up next, I didn't get yet to what I really want to dive into today. But I want to hear what these guys have to say about why I think one person, one legend is about to enter what for him might be one of the most important stretches in his career. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio as we roll along here on this really busy day. We're live, as always, above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. And we've got LeBron versus Steph tonight. And this is one of those things. I'm hearing people compare it to Brady versus Manning. You know, some of the legendary matchups that you see between individual stars. And I don't know that I go quite there. Because these guys are so different from each other. They play the game so differently and they play such different parts of the game that it's it's not like the great quarterbacks going head to head. It's not like Magic and Larry who would guard each other and all that kind of stuff. But or Russell and Chamberlain, some of the other legendary matchups. But it obviously is the two preeminent players of their generation going head to head. And here's the point I want to make, Bubs, and you tell me what you think of this. This sort of crystallized in my mind while we were on TV this morning, I asked Tim Legler about what is at stake here for these players. And Tim Legler said to me, he doesn't think anything really is at stake for LeBron historically because LeBron's place in the history of the game is sort of cemented. People have largely made up their minds that he is one of the greatest players of all time. And many people, and we actually did a research study of this that I, I, I wrote up for SportsCenter, most people do not believe that he has or can surpass Michael Jordan. And I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. And Steph, 
whose legacy, and I talked about this on this show yesterday, I think has been enhanced greatly, his historical legacy, by what he did in the playoff run in the championship last year and could continue to do here, including a 50-point game seven. In that regard, he has more at stake. So I think in the eyes of the rest of the world, Steph has a lot at stake and LeBron has comparatively much less. But then there's another side of this. I know enough about LeBron to know how badly he wants to be considered the greatest player of all time. He can talk around that as much as he wants. But there's no doubt LeBron James views himself as the greatest player ever. And the one thing standing between him and that was the decision that Kevin Durant made to go to Golden State. Let's face it. LeBron almost beat those guys the first year they played each other in the finals, playing by himself. That thing went six. I was at those games. That thing went six without Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving. I will forever believe, and I have to think, that LeBron will go to his grave believing they win that series if those guys are healthy. They come back the next year and they win it in a stunning seven against a 73-win team. And then what happens? You take two dead-even rivals, which is what the Cavs and the Warriors were, and you add Kevin Durant to one of them. It's a cheat code. It became unfair. I said it at the time. It was the ruination of the NBA, and for the years that Durant was there, it was. Because it was like reading a mystery to which someone told you the ending before it started. I love murder mysteries. I love movies like that. I love TV shows like that. I love books like that. But if you tell me who the killer is before it starts, I'm not watching. And that's what Durant did to the NBA, for better or for worse, in my opinion, for worse. But that's not the point of this discussion. The point of this discussion is, if that hadn't happened, I believe LeBron James has at least one more championship. I mean, right now, Steph Curry has a 3-1 edge on LeBron. Does that sound right to you? Does it sit well with you to say, well, when they went head-to-head, Steph got the better of it? Come on. Kevin Durant joined a 73-win team. History was rewritten, and mostly it was rewritten over LeBron. I believe LeBron James wins at least one more championship if that doesn't happen, and I think that changes the dynamic of this completely. So that rather than us today sitting here saying, can Steph Curry surpass LeBron James as the preeminent player of their generation? We might be having a very different conversation about LeBron James' chase to being the GOAT. And I think LeBron knows that, feels that, and wants to beat these guys once and for all now that he's got a fair shot at it as much as he's ever wanted anything. That's my thought. What do you think of it, Bubs? Yeah, I think I think uh, I think I'm buying it. I think that makes sense. I think, um, yeah, I, I think no matter what, I think there'll always be the people that you know are just going to go with with Jordan and they're you know LeBron. No matter what, no matter what LeBron does, people are going to say Jordan's going to be the, the goat. But I think, like you said, from LeBron's perspective, he saw what the Warriors did with LeBron, um, Steph and and Durant, and yeah, I, I think what you're saying makes sense. He wants to beat them at some point and and get it done. And this is his chance. So I, I think I think it makes sense. Yeah, it's not, to be clear, it's not about him catching Jordan. It's about him knowing that in the eyes of many, if not most, he never can. Right, it doesn't matter, yeah. And that's because of these guys. That's because of this group. 
and mostly because they added a piece he just couldn't beat because no one could. No team was going to beat those guys. You took a team that won 73 games and you added Kevin Durant to it. They would have won three straight championships for sure if Durant doesn't tear his Achilles in the finals. They certainly would have beaten Toronto. And then I don't know if they stay together after that otherwise or not, but no one was beating them. They were unfairly good. It was a blip. It was a it was a, a year in the CBA that should never have that that could never otherwise have happened, and so I think LeBron wants this as badly as he has ever wanted anything, and I don't blame him. And there's a tiny little piece of me for that reason that's rooting for him. We'll see what happens. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Greeny the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at ten Eastern on ESPN Radio, or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcasts.